Amen. We're there in Acts chapter number 5, and uh, last week we started a uh, series on the subject of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> and we are going through a Sunday night series called By My Spirit, and if you remember last week, we're, we're going to just be going through some very practical uh, just lessons about the Holy Spirit and, and educational uh, lessons about the Holy Spirit, and I hope you're just ready to learn and take notes and, and learn about the Holy Spirit. I just want to remind you that last week we began with a sermon entitled The Person of the Holy Spirit, and we went through Scripture and showed how the Holy Spirit is not just power or energy or some sort of a force, but that He's actually a person, He's a third person of uh, the Trinity. T tonight, we're going to kind of continue that uh, introduction, introductory type uh, message, and I, I want to speak to you tonight on the subject of the Holy Spirit as God. And the reason for that is because in the same way that we often fail to think of the Holy Spirit as a person, uh, we've kind of been conditioned maybe by the Pentecostals and Charismatics to kind of think of the Holy Spirit as some sort of a mystical force that's just kind of out there and he's, he's kind of just everywhere. Uh, and we don't really think of him as an individual, as a person that has emotions, that has intellect, that communicates. In the same way, we often don't think of the Holy Spirit as God. Now, if you ask somebody, hey, do you believe the Holy Spirit is God? If, they're, if they believe in the Trinity, they would probably say yes. But we often don't think of the Holy Spirit as God. And I think the reason for that is because we often think of the Holy Spirit in the same sense as our spirit. And there's definitely a picture there of, of, the, of how man is made up of three components. But I want you to understand that sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit in the sense that we'll think of a human being having a, uh, a part that is a body and a part that is a soul and having a spirit, and we'll think, well, the Holy Spirit is just the Spirit of God, and, and I understand that that's what, he, what He's called, and that's a title, and there's many titles out there for the Holy Spirit, but we'll think, well, He's just the Spirit of God, or He's just the Spirit of Christ, but what you need to understand, and what we talked about last week, is that He's a person in His own right. The, the Trinity does not consist of three parts that make up God, but it is three persons that are one God. They exist as God. And in that sense, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is God in His own right. He's God completely. He's, he is God. He's not just a part of God. He's not just uh, a component of God, but He is God. And I realize that theologically, as Baptists, we would say, yeah, the Holy Spirit is God. But I believe that often we fail to think of the Holy Spirit as a person, and we fail to think of the Holy Spirit as God. So what I'd like to do tonight is just kind of go through Scripture. We're going to look at a lot of different references and just show you from the Scripture just some proofs in regards to the Holy Spirit being God. Now, we're there in Acts chapter 5. And this is a famous story of Ananias and Sapphira. I've preached sermons out of this story before. And I'm not going to develop the story. I'm not preaching on that. But I want you to notice just what the Bible says here about the Holy Spirit. You notice verse 1. It says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we got Ananias and Sapphira. They sold property, and they are giving this as an offering. This is like their vision offering. They're giving an offering. But they're going around telling everybody, hey, we sold our land. We're giving all of the money to uh, the church, but they're only giving part of the money. They're actually just lying about it. And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with them. They could have kept back, and if you read it in its context, Peter talks about you could have kept back. You didn't have to give any of it. You could have done whatever you wanted with it, but you, didn't have, but you shouldn't have lied and acted like you gave more than you actually did. This is what the story is about. Notice verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, 
Why has Satan filled thine heart? I want you to notice this phrase, to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land. So Peter is looking at Ananias and saying, you're not lying to me, you're not lying to man, you're not lying to our congregation, you're lying to the Holy Ghost when you kept back part of the price of the land. Notice verse 4, whilst it remained, was it not thine own? He's telling him, look, it was your land. It was your money. You could have done what you wanted with it. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? He said, look, nobody forced you to do anything. You had the authority, the power to do what you wanted. He says, why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Notice what he says. That thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And I want you to notice that in verse 4, at the end of verse 4, he says, you haven't lied to men, you've lied to God. But in verse 3, he says, you've lied. He said, Satan has filled filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. And here we see that Peter is referring to the Holy Ghost. He said, you're lying to the Holy Ghost. But then he says, well, you're lying to God. You say, why is that? Because the Holy Ghost is God. And, and that's just a proof text there. And honestly, we could uh, close, you know, say amen, close the Bible, pray, and, and, and be done. We're not going to. Uh, but, but that proves to you that in Scripture, he's referred to as the Holy Ghost. He's referred to as the Holy Spirit, but he's referred to as God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not only a person, but he is God in his own right. So what I want to do tonight is I want to go through and show you the attributes of God or some of the attributes of God and show you how the Holy Spirit has the exact same attributes. And also, uh, uh, I, I want to show you an action of God, uh, one thing that God does or did that makes him God. And, and I want to be able to show you how the Holy Spirit did the same thing. Now, when we're talking about attributes of God, we are talking about the characteristics that make God, God. There are certain things that make God, God when it comes to his attributes in regards to his power. And I want to kind of give that to you and show that to you. And uh, there's going to be maybe some new material, maybe words you haven't uh, heard a lot in the past. But um, go with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 139. If you open your Bible just right at the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms, Psalm 139. And let's begin by this. And if you're writing down some notes, I'd encourage you to write down some notes. Let's begin with this. What, how can we prove, or how do we know that the Holy Spirit is not just part of God, but that He is God in His own right, that He is completely God, that He is God. Uh, he's not just part of God. He's not just the Spirit of God, but He is God. Number one, God, the Holy Spirit, is omniscient. When we talk about the attributes of God, what makes God God? The reason that you're not God and that I'm not God is because God has some attributes that make him different than the rest of us. One of those is the fact that God is omniscient. Now, maybe you've not heard that word before, and let me kind of give you a little bit of the etymology and break that down for you. The word omni, it's a Latin word, it means all or everything. The word uh, science, when we say omniscient or omniscience, the, the two words that come together to make that word is omniscience. The word science means knowledge. It means, uh, and often we refer to uh, science and we're talking about a field of study, a field of knowledge. But the word, the, the word science itself means knowledge. When we talk about God being omniscient or God having uh, omniscience, we are referring to the fact that God is all-knowing. The difference between you and God, the reason that no matter what the Mormons say, you'll never become God. No, no matter what the evolutionists say, you'll never evolve into God. 
no matter what any false religion says. The difference between you and myself and God is that God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. Let's look at some verses. You're there in Psalm 139. Look at verse 1. Psalm 139 and verse 1 says this, To the chief musician, a psalm of David. And there's lots of verses we could go to prove these points. For sake of time, I'm just going to show you some highlights. We're not going to go through every single one. The Bible says this, O Lord, Thou hast searched me. Now, when you see the word Lord there, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's Jehovah God, all right? That's, we're referring to God in His completeness. He says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. I want you to notice the emphasis in Psalm, at the beginning of Psalm 139. The psalmist says that God has known me. Notice verse 2. Thou knowest. The emphasis is on what God knows, His omniscience. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Here's what he's saying. You know when I sit down, and you know when I get up. Thou understandest, talking about His omniscience, my thoughts afar off. See, God knows your thoughts. The reason you're not God and I'm not God is because I can't look at an individual and know their thoughts. But here we're told, Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. By the way, this is a proof that Jesus was God. Because of the fact that Jesus was able to know the thoughts of man... Even while walking on this earth. Remember when they brought down the, the, the man uh, on the bed when they, when they made the hole in the, in the roof when he was preaching in the house. They brought down the man and, and he healed them. And the Pharisees were saying in their heart, can, can, can this man forgive sins? And Jesus knew what they were saying and he answered their question. Why? Because look, only God can understand my thoughts afar off. Well, that phrase afar off means not only do you know my thoughts, you know my thoughts before I even think my thoughts. Before I even think it, afar off, you already know what I'm going to think. Look at verse 3. Thou compassest my path and my lying down. Thou art acquainted. Again, emphasizing the knowledge, the, the, the understanding. And art acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. He says, you know when I lay down, you know when I get up, you know my thoughts, you know everything that comes out of my mouth, you know it. There's not a word in my tongue, but oh, but Lord, oh Lord, thou knowest it all together. Why? Because God is omniscient. God knows he's all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows everything you think. He knows everything you say. He knows everywhere you go. He knows every time you're, you're sleeping, you're, you're sitting down, you're whatever. He, it's not Santa Claus, it's God. Okay? God knows when you're sleeping. God knows when you're awake. God knows when you're bad. God knows when you're good. God knows everything about you. You're there in Psalm 139. Flip over to Psalm 147. Psalm 147. And by the way, that's why the teaching of Santa Claus is so blasphemous. Amen. Because it takes the attributes of God and it gives it to a man. Psalm 147 in verse 5. Psalm 147 in verse 5 says this. Great is our Lord and of great power... We're going to talk about his power, his attributes. Notice, his understanding is infinite. What does that mean? It means there is no end to his understanding. There is, it's infinite. He knows everything. He has all knowledge. So here's what I want you to understand. God is omniscient. The Bible is very clear about that. We just looked at a few passages. We could look at many more. But the Bible teaches very clearly that God is omniscient and God knows everything. Keep your place there in Psalms. We're going to come back to it. But go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in the New Testament. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we were just in Acts, so if you kept your place in Acts, you're just going to go past Romans 
into the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And look at verse number 10. We say, well, God is, God is omniscient. Yes, but you know, the Bible also teaches that the Holy Spirit is omniscient. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says this, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. He's talking about the hidden things of God, that there are some things that we don't, that, that natural man cannot understand spiritual things, but natural man, when he gets saved, has a spiritual side to them and has the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them. And he says that God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. You say, well, why is that? Notice, for the Spirit, notice the capital S there, that's the Holy Spirit of God. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Here's what the Bible is saying. The Spirit has access to all that God has access to. He searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now, we just read verses that said that God's understanding is infinite. Well, you know what? If God's understanding is infinite, the Spirit searches all those infinite things. What is the Bible telling us? The Bible is telling us that the Holy Spirit knows everything. He's omniscient. He, he uh, searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? And again, this is a verse here proving the deity of the Holy Ghost, or the fact that the Holy Ghost is God. Because he's saying this, that a man only understands the things of a man, because a man has the spirit of man within him. The reason you and I understand each other, the reason I can understand you, and, and not just through communication, but just understand what you're thinking. I can see you maybe weeping or crying and understand that you're mourning, and, and I, can, I can see you happy and joyful and understand that you are rejoicing. The reason that we can understand each other is because we both have the same spirit because we have a human spirit. He says, look, uh, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man. I'm here to tell you, your dog doesn't understand you. Now look, you can love your dog. We, we just got a real nice looking dog and, and we love our dog and we're happy for our dog. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's a dog. And, and it doesn't have a spirit, doesn't have a human spirit. It doesn't understand me. It doesn't, uh, 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 you know, and I don't understand it. You know, I mean, sometimes we got this dog and we're like, what in the world are you doing? Why are you doing that? You know, why are you licking that? Or why are you eating that? And look, we, got, we have a great dog. We have an awesome dog. And we're really happy with the dog we got. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a dog. And, and you know, worse comes to, to worse. I mean, uh, you know, if it came to it, that, I, I, that, that dog would eat me if it needed to. And, and I'd probably eat him or her if I needed to. You know, or whatever. And uh, maybe I got that from the Philippines. I'm not sure. But the point is this. That it's a dog. It's not a human. There's no human spirit there. Now, understand this. It says, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? That's the context. Notice, even so. He says, in the same way, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Here's what he's saying. The only reason you can understand anything from God is because you've got the Holy Spirit in you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. Your spirit can't understand the Spirit of God. Your natural flesh can't understand the things of God. The only reason you can understand anything of God is because you have God in you. The Holy Spirit of God, who's God in his own right. Go go to Isaiah chapter 40. In the Old Testament, if you start there at the book of Psalms, 
and, uh, and, and you move uh, forward. Uh, keep your place there in Psalms, but you're, you're going to go past Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, and look at verse number 13. In Isaiah 40, 13, we have these, these questions, but they are rhetorical questions, all right? They're, they're not meant to actually be answered. The, the, the answer is obvious, which is why they are given. Notice what he says in Isaiah chapter 40, and verse 13. He says, who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? Here's what he's saying. Who has ever had to give the Spirit of the Lord directions? The Holy Spirit has never had to stop and ask directions to anybody about anything. Anyway, he's never been lost. He, he's never needed someone to guide him. He said, who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or, being his counselor, hath taught him. Here's what he's saying. No one ever needed to counsel the Holy Spirit. Nobody ever needed to teach the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the Spirit didn't need a counselor. He didn't need a teacher. He didn't need a director. You say, why? Because the Holy Spirit of God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. He searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And we see that. You say, well, God is omniscient. Yes, but the Holy Spirit is omniscient uh, as well. You say, well, why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is God. Because the Holy Spirit is God in his own right. Because the Holy Spirit is God. And as Bible-believing Christians, we need to begin to think of the Holy Spirit, not just as some sort of vague force out there and the force be with you or whatever, we need to be able to think of the Holy Spirit as a person, the third person of the Godhead, but as deity. He is God, and He is God in His own right. So we see that God, the Holy Spirit, is omniscient. Let me give you the second one. You're there in, in, uh, in uh, Isaiah. Go, go back to, if you kept your place in Psalms, right after Psalms, you've got the book of Proverbs. And let me give you a second attribute. Not, not, not only is God, the Holy Spirit, omniscient, but I'd like you to notice tonight that God, the Holy Spirit, is omnipresent. Now, again, the word omni meaning all. The word present means being with one or others or in the specified or understood place. The word present means that you are there, that you are in the place that we are talking about. When we say that God is omnipresent, what we are saying is that God is everywhere at once. He is in all places, all at the same time. He's omnipresent. Are you there in Proverbs 15? Look at verse number 3. Let me give you a proof that God is omnipresent. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3 says this. The eyes of the Lord. All right? We're talking about Jehovah God. The eyes of the Lord, notice, are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. You say, well, how can the eyes of the Lord be everywhere? Because God is everywhere. Because God is omnipresent. Because God is present everywhere at once. And what makes God different than you and I is not only that he's all-knowing, but that he's all-present. That he is everywhere, all at the same time. Well, here's what's interesting. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Go back to Psalm 139. We saw the first part of, one, of Psalm 139, but let's look a little bit down in the same psalm, Psalm 139, look at verse 7. So we're just learning about the Holy Spirit as God. The Holy Spirit of God, or God the Holy Spirit. This is sometimes when we refer to the Trinity, we refer to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. 
We saw that God is omnipresent. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Psalm 139 and verse 7 says this, Whither? The, mean, the, the word means to what place, or to which place, or to where. He says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? So the psalmist is saying, To what place will I go? To which place will I go from thy spirit? To get away from thy spirit. Or, whither, he says, to what place shall I flee from thy presence? He said, how can I get away from your spirit? How can I get away from your presence? Verse 8, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And by the way, hell is not separation from God. Because if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning, because God is everywhere. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Here we are told that the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit, he says, whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence? The Holy Spirit is omniscient. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is uh, uh, knows all things and the Holy Spirit is everywhere at once. You say, well, I thought God was uh, omnipresent. Yes, but the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. You say, well, why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit shares the attributes of God because the Holy Spirit is God. He's completely God in His own right. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Last book in the New Testament should be fairly easy to find. Revelation chapter 19. We talked about the fact that God the Holy Spirit is omniscient. And we talked about the fact that God, the Holy Spirit, is omnipresent. Let me give you a third one. God, the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> God, the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. Again, the word omni, meaning all. Potent is in reference to power or strength. When we say that God, the Holy Spirit, when we say that God is omnipotent and God is omnipotent, what we mean by that is that God is all-powerful, that God has all power, that God is all-able uh, to do all things. You're there in Revelation 19? Look at verse 6. Revelation 19 and verse 6 says this, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, notice what it says, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I like to use that verse because sometimes people, sometimes I'll use these words, omnipotent, omnipresent. People say, oh, you, you got to use Bible words. And I think to myself, well, you obviously haven't read the Bible because the Bible says, tells us that the Lord God is omnipotent. In 2 Thessalonians, it says that he's uh, potent, uh, po uh, and it uses that word uh, and that, that terminology. And again, meaning that he is all-powerful. It says the Lord God omnipotent Reigneth. Go to Matthew chapter 19. First book in the New Testament. We're going from the last book in the New Testament to the first book in the New Testament. Matthew 19, and look at verse number <clears throat> 26. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. You say, well, what do we mean by the fact that he's omnipotent? Here's what we mean. Matthew 19 and verse 26. The Bible says this. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, notice what he says. With men, this is impossible. Why? Because man is not omnipotent. The strength and power of man is limited. 
There are some things that are impossible for you and for myself to do. Jesus says, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Why? Because he is omnipotent. Because God is all-knowing. Because God is all-present. But God is all Powerful. This is why we often read in the Old Testament, is anything too hard for the Lord? And again, a rhetorical question, why? Because nothing is too hard for the Lord. He's omnipotent. Now, go to Zechariah chapter number 4. If you start at the end, you're there in Matthew, if you start at the end of the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament is Malachi. Right before Malachi, you have the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4. This is actually where we get the name for the series, By My Spirit. We get it in this verse, Zechariah chapter 4. I want you to notice the context. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6 says this. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power. Notice, he's saying, You're not going to do it by your strength. You're not going to do it by your ability. You're not going to do it by your power. He says, But, here's the difference, by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Here's what he's saying. What you can't do in your strength, my spirit can do. You say, why is that? Because with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And what the Bible is teaching us here is that, yes, God, the Holy Spirit, is omnipotent. But uh, uh, God is omnipotent. But the Bible also teaches that the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. The Holy Spirit is, uh, uh, has the power. He says, you can't do it by your might, you can't do it by your power, but it can be done by my Spirit. So here's what we've seen. We've seen that God, the Holy Spirit, is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He is omnipotent. Go to Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 28, notice what the Bible says. <clears throat> it says, Has thou not known? Has thou not heard? There is no searching of his understanding. Why is there no searching of his understanding? Because he's omniscient. He knows everything. But I want you to notice that this verse says, Has thou not known? Has thou not heard? I want you to notice this phrase, that the everlasting God the Lord, the Creator, and he goes on to talk about him, but he's called the everlasting God because here's another attribute of God. Not only is he omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, but another attribute of God that makes God God and makes you and I not God is this, that God is eternal. He's everlasting. He is the I am. The word I am, that phrase means that he's the self-existing one, meaning that no one created him. He was not created. He was never given life. He has always existed. He is eternal. He is the everlasting God because he's eternal. Well, here's what's interesting. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is eternal. Keep your place there in, in, in Isaiah 40. We're going to come right back to it, so just keep your place right there. But go to he Hebrews chapter 9. Towards the end of the... Uh, New Testament, you've got, if you start at the end, Revelation, and you head back, you got Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James, and Hebrews. Excuse me. Hebrews uh, chapter uh, number 9. 
Hebrews chapter number 9, and look at verse number 14. And we're, kind of, we're jumping in the, midst, in, in the middle of a, of, a, of a paragraph, a context here, and I don't want to spend time developing that. I just want you to notice this, this, this title. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through, I just want you to notice this phrase, the eternal spirit. And again, capital S there, talking about the Holy Spirit. The eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In Isaiah, we saw that God is the everlasting God. In Hebrews, we saw that the Spirit is the eternal Spirit. The word eternal, everlasting, they mean the same thing. Just two different ways of saying the same thing. Everlasting is in the positive, meaning it'll last forever. Eternal is in the negative, meaning it won't end. But they mean the same thing. Lasting forever and not ending means the same thing. God is everlasting and the Holy Spirit is eternal. The difference between you and God is that he is eternal. We get eternal. Do you understand what I'm saying? He is life and he is eternal life, everlasting life. You and I get everlasting life. And here's what that means. That means you say, well, well, we're everlasting too. Don't we have everlasting life? The difference is this, is that you had a moment that you were created. You had a moment that you came into existence. And when you got saved, you received everlasting life, eternal life at that moment. And the moment you believed and you called upon the Lord to save you, from that moment forward, you will you have everlasting life forever. It'll never end. It, there's, it's infinite. It'll never end. The difference between you and God, or God, good night. The difference between me and God, someone's going to use that in a clip, I'm sure, is this. That we get everlasting life, and from the moment we get it, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. The difference between you and God and me and God is that he has everlasting life going this way and that way. He is eternal. We get eternal. He, ha- he is everlasting life. He is life. Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't have life. He is life. He is the source of life. You and I get life. But one of the attributes of God is that he's eternal. Well, one of the attributes of the Spirit is that he's the eternal Spirit. You say, why? Because the Spirit is God. Because the Holy Spirit is God. And I understand you say, well, you're you're preaching to the choir, and I get that. But in our minds, you and I need to begin to think of the Holy Spirit, not just as some sort of just mist out there, but he is a person who is God. He is a person who is God, and he's God in his own right, and he's God completely. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. He is eternal. Let me give you uh, one more. Go, Go back to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. And uh, there, was a, there was something I wanted to, I think I forgot to add to my notes here. Let me see if I can find it real quickly. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter number 40. Okay, let me, let me do this. So, so, so far what we've talked about is we talked about the attributes of God. And, and we've looked at some of the attributes of God. He's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he's eternal. Those are characteristics of God that make God God. The Holy Spirit has all the same attributes. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he's eternal. He's the eternal spirit. You say, why is that? Because he is God. Now let me just give you a couple of actions. There are some actions that make God God. 
There are some things that God does or God did that you and I uh, cannot do. Let me just give you a couple of those, all right? The first one is this. God is the creator. Are you there back? Are you back in Isaiah 40? Look at verse 28. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 says this. Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, we just talked about that, the Lord, notice, the creator of the ends of the earth. Okay? God is the creator, fainteth not, neither is weary. Why? Because he's omnipotent. There's no searching of his understanding. Why? Because he's omniscient. But one thing that makes God, God is the fact that he is the creator. Go to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. <clears throat> and, I, and I realize that we are looking at a lot of passages, and this is very much like a Bible study. But uh, notice Psalm 100. And look at verse number 3. Psalm 100 and verse 3. If you're there in Isaiah, you just want to head backwards. Past Song of Solomon into Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Psalm. Psalm 100 and verse 3. Notice what the Bible says. Know ye not that the Lord, notice, notice this verse, He is God. It is He that has made us, and not we ourselves. Today, the world wants to teach that, we, you know, we, God didn't make us, we just made ourselves. You know, we evolved and, and evolved and evolved and evolved. No, the Bible says, the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pastures. The Bible is very clear that God is the one who created the universe. God is the creator of the ends of the earth. But go to Job 33. If you're there in Psalms, you're going to go back one book into the book of Job. Job chapter 33. Job 33 and verse 4. I want you to notice what the Bible says. Job 33 and verse 4 says this. Job 33 and verse 4 says, The Spirit of God hath made me. This is what Job said. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. You say, well, I thought God was the creator. Well, Job said the Spirit created him. Job said the Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. You say, why? And again, and I don't want to turn this into a sermon about the Trinity, but God, there's one God that exists in three persons. There's one God that exists not in three parts, the, the, the members of the Godhead do not come together to become one God. The Holy Spirit is not one-third of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is not one-third of God. God the Father is not one-third of God, and they come together like uh, to, to make up one God. No, there is one God that exists all at the same time in three persons. You say, well, I thought God was the creator. Yeah, well, the Holy Spirit is the creator. Guess what? Jesus is the creator too. That's why in Genesis chapter 1, God is speaking in the plural when he says, let us make man in our image. Why? Because there's three that exist, one God that exists in three. So the Holy Spirit is not part of God. He's not inside of God like he's the Spirit of God the same way that you and I have a spirit. No, no, he's God in his own right. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He, he, he's eternal. And he is the creator. Job said, the Spirit of God hath made me. And the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Go to Job 26. Look at verse 13. 
Job 26 and verse number 13. Job 26 and verse 13. Job 26 and verse 13 says this, By His Spirit He hath garnished. The word garnished means to provide supplies for. He hath garnished the heavens. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. Why? Why why does Job say this? He says this because God is the creator. The Spirit is the creator. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. It's God. the The Holy Spirit is a person, but the Holy Spirit is God as well. Let me give you one more. Go, go to First Peter, First Peter, uh, chapter number uh, one. I'll, I'll give you this last one, and we'll be done. First Peter, chapter number one. If you kept your place in Hebrews, you're just going to go past Hebrews, past the book of James, into First Peter. First Peter, chapter number one. And you know what? Actually, let me do this. Get, get to First Peter, and then get to uh, get to First Timothy. You find the T books there, and they're all clustered together. Uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let me just give you this one real quick, because I gave you some attributes, right? What are the attributes? God is omniscient. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. God is omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. God is omnipotent. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. God is eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal. Then I want to give you a couple of actions. God is the creator. The Holy Spirit is the creator. Why? Because it's one God. They exist as one God. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 16. God gives us scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 4 uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration there means God breathed. God spoke it. It came out of His mouth. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So God gives us Scripture, right? And we see that all throughout the Bible. There's many verses you can look at. Go to First Peter chapter number 1 and look at verse number 21. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 21 says this. Because we just saw that the Holy Spirit, that, that, that God, He spoke His Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. He gave it. He, uh, he breathed it out of His mouth. He spoke it out of His mouth. In First Peter 1 Peter 1.21, we're told this. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, This book was not written by the will. No man sat down and said, let me write down the Bible. Let me tell you something. Man would not write the Bible. All right? Man would write positive-only thinking books. Man would write books that tell you, you're inherently good and and everything's fine and you're lovely and you're wonderful. Man, Man would write books like your best life now. All right? Man would not write the Bible. The Bible says, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but... Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Say, well, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Here we're told it's given by the Holy Ghost. Well, what's the deal? Well, the Holy Ghost is God. He he gives us the Word. He gives us Scripture. He created the earth. Job said that the Spirit of God hath made me. He says, the Spirit, He hath garnished the heavens. 
Bible says that God created. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. And, here, and, and, and for some reason, we don't have a problem with saying, well, God the Father is God. We understand that. And we don't even have a problem as Bible-believing Christians with understanding that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. But sometimes you talk to people and you say, well, the Holy Spirit, He's God, just like God the Father, just like God the Son. He's God in His own right. And we're like, oh, I don't know about that. Well, I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is a person. And there is a person living inside of you who wants to help you, who wants to guide you, who wants to empower you, who wants to fill you, and it's not mystical, it's not, it, 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 it's not magical, it's God Amen. who indwells you. It is the Holy Spirit of God, and it is God. The Holy Spirit. So we're just going, we're just going just step by step, systematically going through this doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And we're just learning. What are we learning? The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, not mystical. He's got emotion. He's got intellect. He communicates. He, he's got a will. He's a person. But he's also the third person of the Godhead. Not part of God, but completely God in his own right. Let's bow here to have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for allowing us to be able to study the Bible and look at scriptures and, and compare them and learn. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us to have a, a, a thorough understanding of the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to have a good understanding of, of who the third person of the Godhead is and, and, and what, what you've given him to us for. And I just pray you'd help us as we just continue week by week, just kind of adding a little more of this foundational doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Help us to learn and understand. And Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.